I just want to say I'm intimidated to get up here and speak after um, they had the women's retreat. I feel like I'm, they've got all the inside info on me, so I just want to tell you how much I love y'all. So, one, number one, can I just say, can we just give a praise for the worship team? You guys are awesome. I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could play like that. Man, I would be Grandmaster Flash on steroids. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about when I say Grandmaster Flash. All right, so uh, here's my dilemma. My, my, my wife, when we were uh, dating back in the 80s, there was a hairstyle. I, yeah, y'all are already judging me. All you do is say, don't you talk about her? We're married. She's stuck. People work with me. And so there was a hairstyle. When I first met her, it was amazing. Her hair was, was this high. Like, this is how she came in under the door. You know what I mean? It was one of those, no, you're not feeling me. You're not. You're, yeah. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about in the 80s? Y'all, I mean, it was way up there. I mean, I didn't know whether it was a salute or what to do or about. I mean, it was just up there. And so uh, I, I learned, you know, hairspray was kind of, you know, important during that time to, to keep stuff up. Well, uh, my wife has this hair, she has hairspray. And so I, I said, you know, Lene, I, I tried to grow my hair long. And it, it looked pretty bad, just to be honest with you. It was pretty bad. And uh, I always just wanted it to be real long and look cool. But my hair gets real flat and real straight and looks greasy. And my wife's like, cut it. You look terrible. So then I said, well, I'm going to cut it short let it grow out. But, but I have straight hair. Like my hair's straight. And it, so when it grows out, it looks like a chia pet. It just, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So I said, okay. So I go over to Hanan over here, and, and I get this super fly hair. Y'all don't even know what super fly means. Y'all think y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't know nothing about the 70s. Anyway, y'all just wish you had a disco ball right now. But anyway, so I get this haircut. You know, I got this little hard part. I'm, I'm feeling it. But there's a problem. Like when he cuts my hair, it sticks up in the back like this. So I'm like, huh, you got to drop that thing down. you got to cut it down or something. And so he cuts it, and it looks good. But as it grows, I start to look like my wife again. You know, I feel like I got to, no, okay. So what happens is I, I borrow your hairspray. Don't judge me. You do too. So I, I borrow your hairspray. So I, so I take out the hairspray, and, you know, and, I, and I, I spray it down, and it stays down. Well, one day... I was rushing, and I said, I got I to gotta use some of this hairspray. It's my wife's. It's, it's my wife's hairspray. And so I got to use this hairspray because I, I got to rush. I got to get out of here. My hair's sticking straight up. I keep brushing it. It goes right back up. You know, as if it's like open the refrigerator. There's no food. You open it up. You ever done that? You stand there three times, nothing ever changes. So I grab this hairspray, and I spray it. And I'm thinking, okay. And I'm like, wow, this is different. My hair feels full. I, I kind of like it. So I go over to the mirror. And I realized that I didn't grab the hairspray. I grabbed the fullness and volume dry shampoo. <laughs> now, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But ladies, I have learned this is why you don't shower. This is why you just spray this and it looks like you showered. I looked like a skunk. There was a white. It was terrible. It was. I'm telling you, I mean, I'm like, okay. All right, so I just, I mean, it was everywhere. It was like this big white thing all over me. And I thought to myself, isn't it interesting, God? The one thing, see, it looks, it looks, it looks like it, but it's not. And all I wanted was for something to hold my hair together. 
Sometimes we go looking for things to hold ourselves together. But it's not what we're looking for. Mm, can I get a witness on that? Some of y'all been in a relationship. You know what I'm talking about. Look like Tarzan, act like Jane. All right, so, right? Mm, you know what I'm talking about. And so, I mean, it's interesting. In our lives, we look for things to hold things together. Jobs, relationship, finances, degrees. We look for things to hold us together. But sometimes it leaves us worse. Uh-huh. Oh, y'all don't know. Y'all ain't lived long enough. It, it, it leaves you worse than what you were before because it might look like it's good on the front end, but when you open that thing up, it doesn't work. And some of us have been in those situations. So we go and we this whole thing. What's our whole word for the year? Looking what? What is it? And we're looking for God to move in us, and he's calling us, keep pressing in, keep pressing into my presence. I've got, he's got a word for every one of us. But sometimes what we face, what we feel, and what's going on around us doesn't look like anything's moving forward. I've been talking about moving forward, and we feel like we ain't going nowhere. So what do we do when God, we know God wants us to move forward, but it looks like everything around us is not going anywhere. How can it be held together? How can Jesus hold us together when we know that God's calling us forward and moving into things, and we get maybe intimidated by it, or we're nervous about it, or should I go here, should I go there? How can I stay held together in the midst of God calling us forward? Because we know that it's in Jesus. We know Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We know in Colossians 1.17, in Jesus, in him, he holds all things together. How can we do it? It is through the renewal, renewal of God's word to us, his covenant to us that holds us together while we wait for the fruition of what God's going to do. That's why we have the Lord's Supper. Because we're going to do a covenant renewal. You see, in Genesis 12, God came to Abram and he said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Because why? Because in your seed, based on Genesis 3, 15, in your seed, the Messiah is going to come. And in you, all nations will be blessed. But that was back in Genesis 12. That was back when Abram was 75 years old. Now he's probably roughly about 85 years old. Ten years have gone and nothing and nothing is holding him together. Because there's something deep in the recesses of his heart that's crying out for God. You see, Genesis 14, Jimmy Pollard preached well last week. I heard he's talking about Melchizedek, who's the foreshadowing of Jesus, right? The actual Jesus there in the Old Testament. You see the king of Salem, right? King of peace. And all of a sudden, Abram gives him this big, huge offering, a tenth of all the spoil he gives to him. He just had a great military victory. He's, had, he's got all this money. He's got all this power. But something is wrecked still inside him. Genesis 15. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Genesis 15. Y'all know we got to talk back. We're at Summit. 
Genesis 15, verse 1. The key to looking forward right now, every one of us in this room, every one of you have been called by God. The key to looking forward. Whose architect to that city, whose foundation architect is builder is God. The key to that, the key to Hebrews 11.10, which is what we base this whole year on, is we've got to have a covenant renewal to hold us together in the midst of waiting for God. It's the only way to get through it. It's the only way. Genesis 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And here's the brokenness of Abram, even after one of the greatest victories he had. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I still remain or since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. God is talking smack. Well, he is. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Ten years. Nothing. Ten years of looking forward. Nothing. Verse 6. Look at the response of Abram, who is just like us. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as what? Let's pray. Lord, I just want to pray that, um, Lord, one, thank you that you've forgiven us of all of our sins. Though we acknowledge our sins are great, we acknowledge that we are weak, but you are strong. We acknowledge when we might be poor, uh, we, but you are rich. We acknowledge, Lord, that what we don't have, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are great and we are small. We acknowledge the fact that you are beautiful and that you are a treasure and that there's nothing in this world that can compare with you. But Lord, because of our brokenness, because of our flesh, Lord, there's times John Davis says, I'm sick of waiting, I'm tired, I'm looking forward, let's get this train moving and let's move on. Lord, I confess to you my sins, but Lord, you are faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness because of Jesus. So Lord, as, as we move into this worship, through your word, I pray that we don't come with wise and persuasive words, and I don't come with that, but a demonstration of your spirit and of power so that everyone in this room won't rest on what I say, but they'll rest on you. May your spirit move so that Jesus can be lifted up and that the Father can be seen as gorgeous. So, Lord, I pray today, empower me right now. Luke eleven thirteen. you said about people who don't even know, you said if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him so heavenly father i ask for that double portion of your holy spirit i ask that your holy spirit would just 
make this stuff come alive, Lord, to us, according to your word in the Gospel of John 16. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one greater than Jesus. There's no one who's ever going to be faithful like Jesus. There's no one who's ever going to be perfect like Jesus. And there's definitely no one who can satisfy us like Jesus. So it is in his resurrected name the saints pray. And we all said what? Amen. Amen. So looking forward means we have got to renew the covenant. The only way to hold on, the only way to continue to look forward when you don't feel going forward, like Abram, the only way you don't, you got you to keep going forward is we got to renew something in Jesus. The key to looking forward, go back to Hebrews 11. I, I, I just want to uh, just remind us of Hebrews 11. This is our passage we based the whole year on. We're staying on this all the way to Passion, April the 16th till Easter, right? We're staying in the forward the whole year. But look at Hebrews 11. This is our passage for the year. This is the word of God for the year. For everybody who's here. God sent you here this morning. You didn't get in your car. If God didn't want you here, you'd have broke down. Thank God we didn't break down. Though I wanted to break down in front of Krispy Kreme. <laughs> By faith, Abram, verse 8. When called to go, that's God invited him. God invited every one of us. He's invited everybody in this room. When called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know what saints. Right. Right. You cannot stay in what you know when you are called to go. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger. When God, listen, everybody in this room, God calls us to places where we feel like a stranger. And if you walk by the Spirit, you'll stay. If you let your flesh ring, you will run and get out. Trust, ask Lynette. She'd have left me a long time ago. Ask some women on the retreat. I'm just saying, I'm telling the truth, shame the devil. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. I know you don't feel at home because this is not your home. It is with the fullness of God and heaven is our home. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. And just because you live in a tent don't mean you're broke. Abraham wasn't. Who were heirs with him of the same promise. Some people, see, it depends on what you decide is what is rich. I would rather have thousands of people come to my funeral than thousands of dollars in my casket. Because I've been with people dying, and it's no fun to die alone. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For, verse 10, for he was looking, what, saints? To the city. That's the presence of God. With foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham had a call at 70 and when he was 75 years old in Genesis 12. Now it's 15. He's got all this stuff, but he still has a broken heart. Something is still missing. There's something, there's a tension, there's a rub, there's something still not right. And what keeps him going? Woo! This is good stuff, Genesis 15. So you can just go back to Genesis. If you don't know that it is in your Bible, it's in the it's easy. Just go to the front. You got it. I'm telling you, you can do it. Genesis 15, verse 1. So here's how. Here's how the renewal is so important. Here's why the renewal is so important. Look at verse 1. Um, after this, the word of the Lord. We were talking about this earlier. I was looking at Matt and Crystal earlier when we were talking about it. But this is where Abram has seen as a prophet. I want everybody to know this is how he moved as a prophet. This is how he became prophetic. Genesis 12, he heard the word of God. In Genesis 15, 1, he sees, oh, I, I'm going to go over here. 
He sees the word of God. Look what it says. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a what, saints? Vision. You say, well, I ain't got no vision. I hadn't seen Jesus standing at the foot of my bed. I want you to know something. This is how God speaks to us today. I'm not saying he can't come to the foot of your bed. Oh, he's resurrected and he's great. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us, we can see the word coming to life because we see the word of God working in our life. You didn't hear me. When God does something for you that only you can do, the only, excuse me, only he can do through you, that's God showing his word. He's showing himself to you. He's revealing. He's pulling back the dimension of our weak flesh. And he is opening up and saying, I want you to know that my word is working in your life. Keep looking forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I'm working. Though you might not see me, I'm going to show you my fingerprints. He's given us vision language. When something happens in your life and there's no way it has to be God, and that has happened to me a bunch, it's happened to you, I'm sure every one of us in here, you can look back in your life and you know that if it wasn't for God doing something for you, you should have been, you should have died in that car. You know there's something should have, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we can all look back in our lives. And if it wasn't for the grace of God one time in your front yard, that's a vision from God. It's just how we choose to see it. This is a prophetic moment. Abraham is now seeing the word of God work out in his life. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a what, saints? He's now a prophet. All the theologians now point to this passage. It is powerful. And what happens? And what happens at a covenant renewal? What happens when we see the word of God working in our life? What's the first thing he says? Or the first two words. What's he say, saints? Fear not. Fear not. But God, I don't fear not. But God, I need fear not. But God, what about fear not? You see what happens? Fear causes us to look to other things. Oh, I know. Come on now. Fear causes us confusion. Fear causes us to look at something and say, I don't know if I need to go that way. Fear causes us to move away from the presence of God and into the power of our own life. And that's where Satan works. Let me just break it down for you. This is how Satan works. Fear makes us confused. So what Satan does is he sends somebody in our life or he sends a job in our life. There's something else that's like an angel of light. And so we step into that relationship. We step into that job or we step in that financial decision. And all of a sudden, because it's not of God, but it's a pseudo fakeness of the devil, we step into it. And when it falls apart, we're more confused than what we were in the beginning. Some of you have lived long enough, you know what I'm telling you. You've been in relationships, you know. You've jumped that relationship. It looked good on the front end, but when you opened it up, hey, look, I'm just saying this looked like hairspray. <laughs> on the outside, it looked right. But on the inside, it destroyed me. That is what fear does. And when the word of the Lord comes to us in a vision... When God shows himself, he's saying, fear not. I'm going to show you what happens when people fear. This is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Look at, look at verse 6 of 15.6. All Abram did. What did Abram do? What did Ab or I'm going to use Abram and Abraham synonymously here. What did he do in verse 6? All he did, it says, Abraham did what? 
He believed the Lord and God said, because you trust me and you don't trust you, I am now going to make our relationship right. Righteousness. Abraham did not obey one law, did he? He did not honor his mother and father. He did not covet. Right? He did not steal. All Abraham did was just believe God. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. This is what happened in Genesis. God was trying to take a man and build through, the, through him. The Messiah was going to come to bless all the nations that they would set apart. And so we fast forward into Exodus. And now the nation of Israel, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name has changed to what? Israel. And all of a sudden they become numerous. And God says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. He brings the plagues on Pharaoh. And all of a sudden he takes them out. And he takes them to Mount Sinai where he spoke with Moses the first time. This is in Exodus. In Exodus 3, he speaks to Moses. He's at Mount Sinai. And he says, now all the people are going to be just like Abraham. You're going to come to me. You're going to be the priest. You're going to be the priest to the believers. You're going to, there's not going to be any laws. There's not going to be any separation of walls around us except for my holiness so that it's good for you so that you can live. And you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God and you're going to express me to the whole world. But fear crept in to the Israelites at that moment and fear hindered them from moving into the covenant renewal with God. And fear separated them. I'm going to show you. Y'all, this is good stuff. Go to, go to Exodus chapter 19. This is what we call the Mosaic Covenant. Now this is not the Abrahamic Covenant failed so now God's going to go to the Mosaic. Mosaic means, this is theological term for like Moses, right people? So the Mosaic Covenant, you're going to see is this covenant based on laws. Was there any laws to Abraham? Talk to me, come on. No. You get ready to see laws. But why? Fear. Watch this. Exodus 19. Whoa, this is good stuff. I'm telling you. I love this stuff. See, seeing Jesus, when the word becomes flesh to us, when the word becomes the presence of God. We got so many people all walking around. Oh, I believe the word of the God, but they have no presence of God in their life. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. It's called no fruit. No fruit, no root. There's no presence. He's not real to them. He's a spoken word, but he's not a living. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Exodus 19, he pulls them out. They're at the foot of the mountain. And there's darkness. And there's thunder. And there's trumpet blasts. And the trumpets keep sounding. And the trumpets get louder and louder in that dark cloud. And God is descended on top of Mount Sinai. And it is a terrifying yet glorifying sight. In fact, you can go right now and Google it on your phone and you can see the top of Mount Sinai and it is burnt all the way at the top. And you might say, oh, it's burnt, John, because it's just a dormant volcano. Oh, no, no. If you go within a foot deep, it's just regular rock. All the part at the top is seared. And there's this trumpet because why? Even the word of God, even mountains will melt. And that's why the trumpet blasts get louder and louder and louder until God is ready for them to hear their voice. It's a beautiful picture of God. Look what he says in 19, chapter 19, verse 5. 
Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, look what it says up here. If you are in your Bible, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. That's why he's going to everybody. That's why he sends us to everybody. That is why everybody in this room has a place of tension where if you don't follow the spirit of God, you'll walk away from God because you won't like the circumstances that God's got us in. Look at the next verse. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a what? Kingdom of priests. Priests take God to people and people to God. You don't need an intercessor. You have Jesus. There's no man intercessor. It's Jesus. You have Jesus. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says that we're a royal priesthood of believers. This is, we are now his kingdom because of Jesus. So the people are there. They're at the mountain. He says, three days, prepare yourself. Consecrate yourself. Three days. That's a foreshadowing of Jesus resurrecting himself from the grave. We see that. And now all of a sudden people come, but fear is going to separate. Watch what I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Go to verse 16. Woo, this is good stuff. Fear destroys, but Jesus rules. On the morning on the third day, this is Exodus 19, 16, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very ra- loud trumpet blast. I, I just had this picture. Uh, look at me for a it's, it's not up there. It's Psalm 97. Let me just quote it. He says, the, the Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all peoples will see his glory. Psalm 97. The first six verses. There's a loud trumpet blast. There's a darkness, and the trumpet gets louder and louder announcing the presence of God who will bring the word of God. The word of God comes in a vision of God. But how do the people respond? So that all the people in the camp what? All, most of the scholars will believe, are in agreement at that point, that's where they rejected going into the presence of God. Do you know when these Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, it's just coming up in a couple of verses, he gives them the Ten Commandments. Most scholars believe that they actually heard the Ten Commandments. They had a chance to express themselves, but God gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them laws because they don't want to live by faith. I'm going to prove to you the people don't reject him. I'm going to show you they reject him. So now I'll get the Ten Commandments. People say, I got to live by the Ten Commandments. Abraham didn't even have a commandment. Except to go. And he trusted. There were no Ten Commandments in the time of Abraham. The law came because people were faithless. Exodus 20, watch this. Right after the Ten Commandments. Exodus, oh, this is so good. Exodus 20, verse 18. Watch this. I'm giving you some good stuff, people. Abrahamic covenant built on faith. Mosaic covenant built on law. Look. Right after the Ten Commandments, you can read it in the past for yourself. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were what? And trembled 
and they stood far off. If you read Exodus 19, they were called to go up, not touch the mountain, but go and hear the voice of the Lord and be his people. They were called not only to hear the voice of God, but experience a vision of God, though it might be with clouds and thick darkness and fire and trumpet blasts, but then his voice will come. But they were scared. The fear, they were fearful. Why? Because the holiness of God exposed the sin of man. And when God comes to man, something has to die. Verse 19, it said to Moses, this is what the people said, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God what? Lest we, because the sin in their hearts was exposed by the holiness of God and instead of trusting God, the beauty of God in his provision, that is the forthcoming of Jesus, they trusted in their fear. And instead of worshiping in Mount Sinai at that moment, instead of being a kingdom of priests, where all of them could experience the presence of God, they grooved around for 40 years with a little bitty tent, with a little bit of holy holies, with a little bitty Ark of the Covenant, and a little bitty presence of God, and only a little bit of people could be priests called the Levites. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense what fear did? Fear took God from being big at the mountain of Mount Sinai. And God said, you rejected me. So move away from the mountain. And now that you're going to wonder, I'll go with you. But my presence will be very small. And only a few people can come into it. In fact, once a year, only the high priest could go into the holy place Because of fear. Fear makes God being from big. That's the Mosaic Covenant. So now he built it on laws. So they had ceremonial laws. They had Sabbath laws. They had right all the ritual laws to tell them what to do. Why? Because it was built on laws. God said, listen, you're going to be faithless, but I still want you to know me. I still want you to come to me. I still want you to love me. But in order, because your faithlessness will destroy you, you'll be like the Tower of Babel. You'll be like the people during uh, uh, Noah's time. You will destroy yourself. So I'm going to give you some laws to live by as a community so you don't wax yourself. So now we have an Abrahamic covenant that's built on faith. And we have a Mosaic covenant built on the law. And what did Jesus do? 2 Timothy 2.13, when I am faithless, he is faithful. For he cannot deny himself. He fulfilled the Abrahamic law. He became faithful in my weak faith. And what did he do to the Mosaic law? Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. He fulfilled the Abrahamic law. He fulfilled the Mosaic law so we could be in his presence. Y'all ain't listening to me. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a kingdom of priests. You are not built on any law except the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And when I'm weak, he is strong. And when I'm poor, he is rich. And when I am down, he will lift me up. The righteous man may fall seven times, but he's going to get back up. Jesus fulfilled everything. So what does fear do? It makes God small, but God says, in your weakness, I'm still going to be big. I'm still going to show myself to you. And so what he did is he showed the word to us. We are like Abraham. Genesis 15, 1. We are like the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. What did the word do to us? It came in Jesus Christ. John 1. In the beginning was the. And the word was with God and the word was. 
He was with God in the beginning. So the word became the vision. Is anybody getting it? Is it clicking? The Bible's not rocket science, though we make it hard. Because all you do is you go to some other pastors, God help us, Lord, as we preach little sections of passages and say, hey, don't drink. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Man, just shut up and lift up Jesus. Just lift up Jesus. Just lift up Jesus. Because he's the one who'll do it. He fulfilled it. That's what he does. Listen, you want to know why the covenant renewal is so important? The only way to look forward is to renew the covenant so God will destroy fear. Look what else he did. This is number two. So number one, and number one, what does Jesus do? The covenant renewal in Jesus replaces our fear. Number two, seeing Jesus reinforces his protection. Look at verse one. Oh, this is so good. Genesis 15.1. I tried to, did that make any sense to y'all? Did that help you on the mosaic and Abrahamic? Yeah. I was teaching on that the other night in, in class. We are working on that. Verse one. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. We explained that. Do not be afraid, Abram. That's what he was saying. Then he says, I am your what? Shield. The word for shield means sovereign. Oh, I don't have any time this morning. If I had time to help you, I'm your shield. That word in Hebrew is translated sovereign. That means that God is sees and is over it. But let me explain to you. Uh, all right, so to my theologians in the room, some of y'all, there's words that we use that we pontificate as we speak as pastors because it's all theological speak that make us act like that we're learned and closer to God. Oh, we just need to be quiet. We're as broken as anybody else. We say God is all-powerful, right? We say these words, God is all-powerful. We say these words that God is omniscient. Omniscient means all what? Anybody know? All-knowing. We, we say that God is omnipresent. That means he's what? Yeah. But what we don't tell you is right here, the reason why he is our shield, the reason why he is our shield, God made a covenant and he shows himself to Abram. He says, not only am I going to remove your fear, but I'm going to show you who I am. I am going to be your shield. I am going to be your shield. I am going to be present with you. Look what else he says in that passage. He says, you're very great what? He says, Genesis 15, 1. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great or your very great reward. God is our reward. He is our future. In other words, he is our present. So let me explain something to you. Let me just go a little deep. Here's why it's so powerful. This code, if you want to, the notes are online, but I want you to write this down. It's omnitemporal. Omni, O-M-N-I, the word temporal. Omnitemporal means he is in every moment at one time, past, present, and future. He's at every moment at the same time. Now, the reason why is that some of you are saying, John, you're losing me. You're losing me. Let me just tell you, this is why you need to know this. I don't know if we teach that all here. The seventh star from the sun is Sirius. You ever heard of Sirius Radio? No? Yes. Yes, when it's down, about right? Okay, yeah. Sirius Radio. That's where they got the name. It's the seventh star from the sun. It is roughly 8.65, something like that, or 8.56 um, light years away. You know, light moves at the, at the uh, at the speed of a second, how much is it? 186,000 miles per second? Isn't that what light moves? Is that right? Y'all looking at me? No? Y'all think I'm weird? Okay, never mind. It's close to that. It's 186,000 miles a second. So 
this star that you can see, if you look at Orion's belt, those three, those three stars, if you look at Orion's belt and you go like southeast, excuse me, southwest to it, you'll see Orion. It's one of the brightest stars that we have. It is the, the seventh star from us. The closest star is the sun. It is eight light years away. In other words, when a photon of light comes off that star, it takes eight years for us to see it. Eight years before you see that light. Oh, but John, I'm looking at the light. Yeah, but it was produced eight years ago. God is in the moment when that light moves. He sees. He's there in that presence. He created it. He just told Abram, you can't even name all the stars. He's in the present when that light moves. Check this out. But he's also in the present when you and I see the light. Which means this. This is why the foreknowledge of God and the, and the free will of man can coexist. I know I just went heavy on you. I want to tell you something. This is what, what happens. Did God make me do that? Yes or no? Come on. No. no. By the way, this is not the original. Right? This is a copy. So don't get all upset. He just threw the Bible down. Right? <laughs> Did God make me do that? Did God know I was going to do that? Yes. Yes. So who chose to throw it down? I had free will, but did God know it? God is with the baby when the baby's raised. But the free will of man destroys the baby. God is with you when somebody broke your heart. But it's not God's will that your heart should ever be broken. God is with that person when they die, but it is not God's will that one should perish. The free will of man and the foreknowledge of God coexist at the same time. God knows, but here's what's beautiful about his presence. If in the place where I do something wrong, if I turn to Jesus, if I turn to the one who is omnitemporal, if I make a right turn and I'm supposed to make a left, but I turn my eyes back to Jesus, if I look back to him, then what can he do in the midst of that presence and that wrong decision? He can make all things, I'll say it again, all things work together for good for those who love and serve and are called according to his purpose. It was not God's will that you were harmed, though he will take what Satan meant for harm, as Joseph said in turn that's why free will of man destroys man. But God won't leave us nor forsake us. And he's always with you, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why he is our shield. All you have to do is turn to him. When you're new to the covenant today, maybe your prayer is, God, be my shield at this job. Because you know what they're trying to do. Be my shield of my broken heart. Because you know what, God, right now, the free will of man is lifted up. God, I've got people coming against me in the free will. God, I've made choices that were wrong. But because of your presence, you can always make it right. I am never too far gone that your arm is not too short. Is this not making any sense? Like I'm trying to give you some deep stuff today. His presence is there. Turn to him. He has fulfilled the faith promise, uh, promise the, faith, the Abrahamic covenant. He has fulfilled it. He's fulfilled the Mosaic. And so now, what do we get? Genesis 15, 1. The third, the third reminder there is, is we get God. Your reward shall be very great. Or as he says, I love what he says in, in, in this version in Genesis 15, 1. He says, I, I love this. 
He says, I will be, he says, your very great reward. He says, I am your shield, your very great reward. In other words, the reminder is, we get him. He's the reward. It's not the marriage. It's not the money. It's not the fame. It's not whatever you want it to be that give, makes you feel like God is with you. His presence is the reward. And that's why there's hope. Right, Stephen Cagle, that kid died, got sick and died at White Knoll, where you're coaching right now in Columbia, right? Free will of man. What happens? Free will of man. You know what free will of man does? Free will of man brought in diseases, brought in bacteria, bad DNA. Read Romans 8. There will be more tsunamis. There will be more earthquakes. But the Bible says that the earth is longing for the sons of God, that's us, to rise to power, to make it right. The earth is longing as a testimony. Come back, Jesus and put your priests over it. It's longing. Because the people of God, following the presence of God, will experience the change of God. He is our reward. He is our present. And today, when we take this Lord's Supper, I want you to know today, he will smash fear. The covenant renewal that Abraham experienced, smash fear. The word becoming flesh, Smashes fear. His blood for my blood. His life for my life. Right? He died for my life. He died for your life. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ did what? He died for us. Are you getting this today? That's, so there's no fear. Because here's what happens. Fear in Satan drives me to other people who will jack. Fear brings confusion. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? I'm confused. And then we make, and then we say, oh, here's something a little light. And we follow the light. And then we realize it's Satan trying to disguise himself as an angel of light, light through somebody else. And now we're more confused. He, destroy, he destroys fear. He becomes our shield. He becomes our protection because he is with us. And in the end, our reward is greater than anything the world can give us. So look forward today. Look forward. Don't look back. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Isaiah 41.10 says this. And this is a popular passage. That's why I used it. Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear. Look what it says. This is powerful. So do not fear, for I am with you. And do not be dismayed. Watch this. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, what saints? Let's look at it again. Fear not, for I am with you. This is all Genesis 15, 1 language. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'm your very great reward. I will strengthen you. I'm your shield. Shield means sovereignty. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And all Abraham do is, he did this. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul quotes it in Romans. That's all he did. There was no law. He didn't follow Ten Commandments. He knew any of that. Mosaic Law came way later, 400 years later. All he did was say, I trust you, Lord. That's all we have to do. Jesus fulfilled it all. So when you take this covenant today, you might not be where you want to be, but you can praise God you're not what you used to be. Listen, don't walk out of here today fearing anything. I'm not telling you to get rid of your fear. I'm asking you today to replace your fear. 
Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Replace your fear. I want to fear God more than I fear man. Psalm 56, 3 and 4 has been my precious song. When I'm afraid, this is what it says, I'll quote it. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Fear not, saints. God says he is your shield. He is sovereign. He is with you. And when somebody wrongs you in their free will or you wrong yourself in your free will, the presence of God is the overcoming power of God to overcome whatever mess I made. Because he says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what saints I can have peace in looking forward, even though I feel like I'm just sitting here spinning my wheels. God has called me forward, and I know it's coming. But I have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation or trouble. But what does it say? Jesus said, these are his words, but take heart, I've done what? So when in our free will, in our omnitemporal presence of God, we make a bad decision, Job, relationship, financial, just pick something. Or somebody does something wrong to us and we didn't do anything wrong. It is the presence of God that will overcome the sin of man. And it's yours. Look, I tried to pull my heart out in front of the Lord today for you. I tried to give you some good stuff. Don't be confused when you read Exodus. Jesus fulfilled the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law became that people were faithless. So God said, this is how you live in community so you don't jack yourself up. Dr. Peter Link calls it, calls it here, he calls it the Heisman move, right? God says, here, you got to stand a little far off from me so I don't kill you because of your sin, but I want you close to my heart. And he also was faithful. I mean, he was faithful when we're faithless. He fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. It's our choice. 1 Corinthians 11, we're landing the plane. Here we go. This is how we're going to do it. 1 Corinthians 11. So at Summit, what we do is we practice open communion. What does that mean? It just means this. You don't have to be a member of Summit to take communion. We don't do that. Why? Because I'm convicted. I'm not going to stop any Christian from taking communion. I'm not. People say, well, you don't know where they are spiritually. What if they're not saved? Ooh. I wanted to say Mufasa, but I didn't because Lenny has a counter on her phone. How many times I say Mufasa this year? So I'm not doing it, Lenny. Just for you. I don't feel judged. Yeah, yo, you count it. There's a song about you. You're going to burn. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Burn, baby, burn. Just go burn. I need a disco ball. All right, so the reason why it, people say, well, John, you don't know where they are spiritually. Let me just say this. If somebody doesn't know the Lord, they're not going to be in the presence of the Lord. So the, the bright light of Christ, of, excuse me, of God the Father that's in, in Christ, we see Christ and his saints will be a bright light. That's the holiness of God reflecting in us. It's also the fire of hell. So it extends and it burns the people that don't know, but the people that do know, it becomes a purifying fire. So people say, well, what about people that don't know the Lord, blah, 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 you know, you're just, you're just messing them up more. And I just tell them all the time, well, what hell am I going to send them to? Hell number one, hell number two, hell number three. It doesn't make a difference. Can't, listen, this is not going to send them any more to hell than where they're going. 
It's not. So if you know the Lord, the reason why we have them all around, you have them on the side, you have them in the back back there, there's two, we have two here, two here, you have one on the side over there. And uh, so the reason why we have them over there is because Summit never had enough plates. We were so poor, we couldn't even spell the, we couldn't even buy the OR at the end, we po, I guess. And so what happened was people, somebody donated these plates, believe it or not. Somebody actually donated plates so we could have them. We actually look fancy. We actually have like these little silver plates now. We used to have paper plates. We were, like I said, we were, here, take the Lord's Supper on a paper plate. Yeah, sorry, we're poor. Um, I mean, we're just not, we just don't have money. And so, uh, but, so what we do is we come up, and we don't want you to take it alone. We want you to take it in groups. You say, but John, I've never done this. I've never done it this way. Here's why it's beautiful. It brings community. God overcomes who we don't know so we can know the one who we should know. And so we take in communion, we take 1 Corinthians 11, we take verses 23 and following. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, right? And when he had given thanks, the word Eucharisteo, where we get the word Eucharist, some of y'all have been in those traditions that call it the Eucharist. It just means giving thanks. It's not a, we don't have to get freaked out. He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So remember, when we take this bread, we're saying, Your body is going to overcome my body. Your strength will overcome my strength. Your witness will overcome my witness. In the same way, after supper, he took this cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Why is it a new covenant? Because you had the Abrahamic covenant that was built on faith. You had the Mosaic covenant that was built on law. Jesus filled them both, and that's why we have the new covenant in him. Jeremiah 31, 33 says that he'll take out a heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh, Ezekiel language, Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel 36. And then he says, I'm going to build a new covenant. I'm going to put my law in their hearts. And it's going to be a new covenant. Hence, that's why it's called a new covenant, or your Bible might call it the New Testament. That's all it is. It's not fancy. So we say, Jesus, your life for my life. Your blood for my blood. Your blood was shed so I can live. For whenever you eat this bread, the next verse, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, past, present, future. And then there's a correct way to take it as believers, right? We examine ourselves. In other words, we just don't come up and take it. We examine ourselves. It's a beautiful act of repentance, a celebration of repentance. We say, okay, Lord, if I've sinned against anybody anyway, right? Jesus said, let your gift to the altar go, make it right. Like, uh, try to live at peace with all men and when it's in my ability to do so. So I do that. I try to live at peace. So I try to make phone calls and say, hey, man, I'm sorry, even though that you're the one who started the whole argument. But nonetheless, I'm going to try and live in peace and, and try to offer that. Or, or I, I'm just going to repent of my sin. and say, God, I recognize this is sin in my life. This is good self-examination. We do that. So when we take this, we know there's a reminder of being right with him. Listen, Jesus has already saved us. He, we don't live by the law saying, oh, well, I, I only sinned uh, five times a day, and so, and, but I've been good, so good so that it outweighs my bad. That's not how we do it. Jesus is our good. So then he says in verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body in Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under strict judgment. It's a beautiful thing to celebrate that God has answered all the judgment in Christ. All of it. It's beautiful. So we just talk to God. 
And then what we're going to do is they play over us. You're going to come up, get it, go back to your seats or get in groups and just take it together with somebody. Do not take it by yourself. Even if you don't know somebody, it's okay. And y'all just get out the scripture and read it. Read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. Read it and take it. And celebrate the Lord and then we'll stand in our seats and then we'll sing. Does that sound good? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let's pray. Lord, this is our prayer today. That it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus we have the opportunity to celebrate. It's because of Jesus we don't have to fear. Because of Jesus we have a shield. We have a protector who is the presence of God. And because of Jesus, we have a reward coming. And, your re and the reward is you. That is why it is exceedingly great. And so, Lord, we've looked at many things to hold our lives together. We've looked at many things to hold ourselves together. But it is only Jesus. And so we take this Lord's Supper to celebrate and remind ourselves as you did with Abraham in a covenant renewal when he had been almost 10 years and there was no movement of God and yet you show up and say, I'm still moving though you don't see it. And you remind him that it's coming. I, I want to, Lord, today, would you just remind everybody in here that something is coming? sanctify us more and more so we can look more like Jesus not to save us more and more we're already saved but sanctify us make us more set apart so people can see Jesus so Lord if we need to think, make things right with people we want to do that even if we have done nothing you put the onus on us while we were still sinners Christ died for us so if somebody's done me wrong and I didn't do anything wrong it's still on me as a Christian to try and go pride says, I don't want to go, but the Holy Spirit says, you need to go. So Lord, we just worship you today. Thank you for Jesus being faithful. For him being what we could not be for ourselves. And Abraham, because Abraham is not the hero. And we thank you, Lord, that even when the people of Israel rejected you and had a chance to worship you on the mountain, and you said, fine, you don't want to worship, we're going to move away from the mountain. And we're just going to move around, and, and you made my presence very small, but it did not diminish your power from being big. And you still were faithful that sent Jesus to fulfill the law and be perfect. So, Lord, we just want to come and worship you today through this covenant renewal that you'll hold us together. We look forward because you hold us together. You are beautiful, and you are lovely, you are precious. Take some time, you can.